0: Cairo, Seattle.
1: It's time to Get Schooled with a Professor, Sean Clayton. Welcome to Schooled with a Professor, and we got a lot to talk about in a short period of time. Daniel Jeremiah joins us to talk about the draft. He's an NFL analyst, and you can can follow him on Twitter at MoveTheSticks. You can also see Daniel on the NFL's live coverage of the 2021 NFL draft from Cleveland, Ohio, April 29th to May 1st. Daniel, is this the most unusual draft you've ever seen? Because I just did my mock draft, my third one. I know you're at 3.02 and only had like 13 defensive players going in the first round
0: yeah it's weird john i mean it you know not only is it just weird for all the obvious reasons right we're you know we're, we're in a, a year where we don't have a physical combine um you know people are limited in terms of who can get out the pro days there's no private workouts there's no team visits all this stuff we would use to try and compile information it's, it's weird for us to try and digest and 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 try and figure this whole thing out as it is for teams with the, with the limited opportunities. And then you add into it, um, the fact we don't really have a slam dunk, you know, top 10 pass rusher, which we seem to have just about every year. Uh, defensive tackles is another position that's highly valued and there's just not a whole lot there. Um, and then you mix in all these quarterbacks we have with, with the pass catchers, um, it's going to slant heavy towards offense, at least in the first half of the first round. And then I think we'll start to see all these defensive guys run off the board. But yeah, it's a, it's a weird year, man.
1: It really is and Of course, I mean, the one thing is, is that, you know, talking to GMs and that, you know, normally you have 18 to 20 guys that are going to have first round grades on teams, but this year yeah. there's 24, but you know, you, you know, you still got the three cornerbacks. You you may have the four edge rushers. you, you It's a debate even if the best defensive tackle has got a first-round grade. How many first-round grades yeah. do you have on these guys?
0: Oh, that's a great question. I, I'm looking at it right now, and where we are right now, I have about, I would say, give or take 23 mm-hmm. is where I am right now. Yeah, I was actually I was looking at 22. I have about 22 guys.
1: Yeah. It's, it's amazing. And then, but so many of them, I mean, what, what I'm amazed at is the way the tackle situation is going to be, you know, maybe I'm going to be hundred percent wrong, but I could see as many as seven tackles go in the first round. But the weird part about this, and this goes into the weirdness of the draft three of the top four tackles opted out. They haven't played since 2019.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's a, like you said, it's a different year, man. Uh, and uh, you know, and some of the, you know, I'm always fascinated because there's always narratives, right? There's always narratives with players, with teams, and, and kind of how this whole thing comes together. And then, you know, normally we get all this information at the combine with the numbers, the measurables, and any other information you get, and it feels like we have kind of time to pivot, right? You've got time after the combine. You're like, okay, we maybe thought this, uh, but it's, you know, the draft process really starts for most people in earnest in January, the all-star games. Then you get to the combine, which is just a little over a month later, and then you'll see things shift. So the narratives haven't had as long to, to set in. And then you can, you have enough time from then to the draft to kind of sort it out. Well, now we're getting, we don't get pro days for some of these teams till this last week. So like, a great example it, during the process, and I'm sure you heard it too, which was, okay, you've got Panay Sewell, who's kind of this physical freak, you know, rare, rare, rare guy. And then you've got Rashawn Slater, who's a, who's a good player, but he, you know, he's just not big enough, John. He's not tall enough. He's not long enough. He's going to have to, uh, he's going to have to slide inside the guard. And then we finally get to the measurables and you're like, oh, wait a second. He's within an inch uh, in terms of the height with Sewell and his arm length is a quarter of an inch different, but, now we're trying to change the discussion on this with just weeks before the draft, instead of months before the draft. and years past, it just it creates a whole new dynamic.
1: Well, particularly with the offensive linemen, and maybe even the wide receivers. The one, and you know, even the quarterbacks too. I see a few more trades happening. And again, I don't know if you, you do the same thing as I do. I don't put trades in my mock draft because it just, you know, you you, you usually, it up. yeah, it just messes it up. So it's like, okay, but, uh, you know, you can see it's like, okay, if you're Denver, it's sitting at number nine, uh, and let's say that uh, Slater goes at number eight to Carolina, and Penny Sewell is off the boards going in, in the top five if he does go up there, mm-hmm. is that uh, you're sitting there, it's like, okay. Are you comfortable enough with the third tackle, or could you trade down with New England or Washington and accept getting the fourth or fifth best tackle? I could see that happening because you know, if Denver's affected by any, any more than any other team because you know, if they're interested in a tackle, three of the top four opted out. Uh, you know, Micah Parsons, mm-hmm. I have going to the Jets, uh, the Giants at eleven, he opted out, and then of course you got the quarterback thing, and it's like, okay, so you're really going to take a quarterback to challenge Drew Lock when he's not going to be may may not have any offseason. And program?
0: Yeah, I mean, again, all, all good points. Um, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see how that all comes together. I think that when you look at this offensive line group, um, I think there's a, a real argument to be had of okay, what, what's the difference between the third tackle, the fourth tackle, and the eighth or ninth tackle? Um, and if you don't feel like that gap is huge, then that's why I think you know we can say oh, there's a million receivers every year that can push them down the line. I think some of these guys, in terms of the big four pass catchers that we have, with Shamar Chase, Kyle Pitts, and the two Alabama kids with Waddle and Smith, I think those guys are are so special and so talented that, you know, I I don't think they do get pushed too far down the board. I think even some of those teams that might have a tackle need and a a need for a playmaker, they might say, man, in round two, you give me an Eichenberg, uh, you know, whether it's a Jalen Mayfield or. Or uh, Dylan Radens from from North Dakota State, we're comfortable with those guys, so let's pair them with an elite pass catcher here in the first round.
1: Well, that's the one thing I was looking at too, is that I started to dabble into the second round in the last two days, and I didn't put him on a mock draft yet. I won't about another week or two. But what I started to look at there, it's like, now wait a second. I mean, here it is with all the offensive linemen I took in the first round. You look at the top of the second round, there's more more offensive linemen. It's like, what, <laughs> what, what's happening here?
0: Yeah, it's, you know, think about a team like the Jets, right? Mm -hmm. So let's say the Jets, you know, we're going to take Zach Wilson with the second pick. That's going to happen. They've got pick 23 and pick 34. Well, I don't know. Is there a difference between the lineman they might take at 23 versus a lineman that's still going to be there at 34? You know, or is it a trade back scenario? It's just, to me, the depth in some of these positions is going to really impact what teams decide to do. You know, they need a corner. They need another edge rusher. So it makes some sense to say, okay, at 23, you can do that. And, uh, and still come back at 34 and get another starting offensive lineman.
1: One thing I was hearing in the past week is that uh, you know certainly this draft, with you know so many seniors going back and you know, not uh, being eligible, we're not coming out for this mm-hmm. year's draft, is that next year's draft is going to be more valuable. But is it am I right in hearing that uh, once you're starting to get into the fourth and fifth rounds, you may have uh, players on the board at certain positions, particularly on defense, that may have undrafted grades or draft grades in the sixth or seventh round?
0: Yeah, I think it's impacting, you know, the, the last two or three rounds of the draft. That, that, you know, I've talked to one team that said, look, our kind of the top of our sideboard, which is their, you know, priority free agents, late round guys, that's been wiped out. There's just not any names. These kids all went back to school. Um, so yeah, I think that you are going to see some impact there once we get towards the bottom. And the other thing is most of these teams, they will not draft a player if they don't have a medical. Well, you've got the 330 combine names, so that kind of restricts you to those to those guys that you have some sort of medical information on. Um, so I, I'm curious to see how it happens if we are going to see it like we're describing it, or if somebody's going to take some wild shots on some guys um, not necessarily having their medical information or as much information as they would have in any other year, um, and maybe throw some darts at the board here late in the draft. Or maybe even like uh, you are saying is, Try and spin some of these picks off into next year, where you'll know more.
1: Oh, I guarantee there's going to be more uh, efforts to try to trade into next year's draft. I mean, we kind of saw it with mm-hmm. the Sam Darnold trade. It's like, okay, well, we'll take a sixth rounder this year. Who cares? But I'd rather have the two and the yeah. four next year.
0: Absolutely, and I think that was smart by Joe Douglas and um, something he had kind of targeted all along. And uh, yeah, you're right. To me, it's it's usually the one round uh, uh, greater when you make a move. So. If you're in this year's draft and, you know, since we're talking about the Jets, if they're picking at 23 and they want to slide back to 28 or 29, instead of getting, a you know, a, a third-round pick this year for those efforts, maybe you try and effort to see if you can get somebody to give you a two next year. Um, I think that's going to be a conversation that's happening with each and every trade that's made once we get to April yeah. 29th.
1: And some general managers are telling me, it's like, okay, so one thing you're going to see – is that if you want certain defensive players, you may have to overdraft them because the positions start running out so quickly. Could you see that happening? I know that's why I'm thinking maybe four or possibly as many as five edge rushers go in the first round just because it's like, well, once we get to a certain point, you know, we're not going to get a good edge rusher.
0: Yeah, it's. I mean, defensive tackles is even worse. I mean, I think there's really kind of two guys. Um, you know, whichever way you like him with, with Barmore and Onzerike, like those are kind of the two guys. So man, if you're looking for an interior guy, um, you know, maybe that pushes them up the board and we've been saying no, you know, no defensive tackles in the first round is a real possibility. Maybe that ends up kind of pushing those two guys into the bottom of the first round, just because after that, there's just not a whole lot there. I don't think personally that's the best way to draft um, in, in terms of
1: forcing some guys up
0: there, but man, if you've got a glaring hold and you're a need based team when it comes to the draft, uh, those are going to be two guys that will benefit from it.
1: Seattle has pick number 56. Uh, I don't know if you started to go deep into the second round yet. Mm-hmm. What do you think is going to be some of the options for them if they stay there at 56?
0: Well, I mean, I think corners. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's a, a, a decent group of corners there. There's some height, weight, speed corners that fit what they've traditionally done. When you've got the two Georgia kids, Tyson Campbell and Eric Stokes, um, it's it probably a little bit too early for me for the Syracuse kid, Mel Fonwu, but he's another long, long corner. I, I mean, don't they kind of have to trade back though? I mean, you've got three picks, so I, I'd be shocked if, if Schneider ends up selecting with that pick, I would imagine they're going to try and get themselves as many third and fourth round picks as they can by moving around.
1: Yeah. No, I I think that's going to be the case because that's just John Schneider's way to try to be able to do that. And then one thing I was, the thing that surprised me when I started playing around with the second round is good of a receiver draft as is. And again, it's not as good as the the two dozen uh, wide receivers last year had top, uh, you know, three round grades. It's like, but I didn't have a lot of receivers going in the second round.
0: Yeah, that, that's going to be interesting because I think you you know you hit the positions corners corners are that's second round position this year. You're going to see a zillion corners come off the board. Um, I actually think it's a pretty good off the ball linebacker group. So you'll see you know some teams don't value that position as much. It pushes them out of one and into two. Uh, so we end up having a pretty good run on 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 that position. And I think in t- interior offensive line wise, it's a that's going to be big day two. Now we might see more in in round three than than round two. But I think you'll see a good number of interior offensive linemen in there as well.
1: Daniel Jeremiah is an NFL Network analyst, and you can follow him at Move the Sticks. You can also see Daniel on the NFL Network's live coverage of the 2021 NFL Draft from Cleveland, Ohio, on April 29th and May 1st. Anything else you got posted?
0: Uh, no, we've got all kinds of stuff on uh, on the podcast. You can find that at the Move the Sticks podcast. got the Move the Sticks TV show Thursdays. Passed to the draft. I don't know, Jen. If you turn on the TV on NFL Network, I think we're, we're probably on there talking about this stuff one way or the other. But I do want to, before I get out of here, to thank you again because uh, one of the uh, – I met you when I was young through Mort. And uh, I was just a young, dumb kid. You're incredibly nice to me. Now I'm just an old, dumb kid. Uh, <laughs> and you've always been good to me. So I appreciate you, man.
1: Hey, Daniel. Thanks for joining us on School with the Professor